Good Friday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and this is the I Love Seville Show. Thank you kindly for joining us. A pleasure to connect with you through the I Love Seville Network, where at times we sing songs to our favorite viewers and listeners. We goof around. We have fun. We go about the show with a, a, a focus of education, entertainment, and enlightenment, the three E's, when we are behind this microphone and in front of these cameras. Um, a lot I want to cover today. I'm seeing a trend in San Francisco where I think um, it's a trend that's going to start matriculating or heading our way. Commercial real estate is losing value. It's losing value in the eyes of banks. It's losing value in the eyes of appraisers. It's losing value in the eyes of owners. It's losing value in the eyes of renters or, renters or tenants. If banks, appraisers, owners, and renters and tenants see a value proposition reduction of commercial real estate, will owners of these buildings start applying for assessment reduction in their respective jurisdictions? Me, for example, will I apply for assessment tax reduction with my holding on Market Street? And if this becomes a common element, and I'll unpack it from a San Francisco, California standpoint, if this becomes common in Charlottesville, where is the additional money to run the Charlottesville budget, over $200 million a year to run Charlottesville, going to come from? I'm going to unpack that topic today on the I Love Seville show. Also on today's program, I want to talk about UVA students moving back to grounds today and this weekend. School is starting in the Charlottesville and Central Virginia area, or has already started, for children, for kids, elementary, middle school, high school, much to the happiness and delight of us parents. I want to talk about the HUD median income of 123300 per home or household. A lot of people may be surprised by that. According to HUD, the Charlottesville area, the median income for a household is 123300 That number may shock you. Hmm. I want to give some love to David and Skuma Boutique Dispensary. We'll weave you in on a two-shot. You've seen David and Skuma Boutique Dispensary. Is he watching now? David. David, are you watching? Can you say David's last name for us, Judah? Trecarici. Will you sing his last name for the viewers and listeners? No. You don't want David Trecarici, the owner of Scuba Boutique Dispensary. It's locally owned and operated. He will join us on the program. And Judah, you should put this on our production calendar, if you could, please. August 25th. Travis Hackworth is watching in Danville. August 25th. And make sure, if you could, send me an invite on that. I'll accept it. That way it's on our, our interview calendar. Glenn, um, Governor Yunkin, right, is making life quite difficult for locally owned businesses in the dispensary game. Yeah. David is going to explain how life has become more difficult at Skuma since Yunkin has backtracked on what many thought was going to be a fast track for cannabis, for Delta 8, Delta 9 and for uh, CBD and the products that go along with these businesses, right? Yeah. Very limited right now in what they can sell. 
So I'm going to feature David, one of the partners of the show, Skuma Boutique Dispensary, a week from today to show you how a small business owner that he's a, he's a military veteran. He grew up in Charlottesville, David. David. Trekarici. Trekarici. Jason Howard is watching the program on Rio Road as well. Um, we're going to talk about how he's adapting and pivoting his model. Yeah. That'll be a week from today. Um, Jason Howard says this, you mentioned school starting next week. In previous shows, you highlighted the 900-plus Almaro students not getting bus service and this being an ongoing problem the last three years. If it isn't already, when does this become part of the conversation clients have with their realtor in the county? Living a little further out, you might end up having to dedicate three-plus hours of your day to transporting your children to and from school. That's a damn good comment. Yeah. You want to unpack that one? Yeah. That's a great comment. I mean, it goes along with the uh, it goes along with the question of when does it become uh, when does the cost become too prohibitive uh, of gas when you're when you're looking when you're looking for a house and you know if you say drive to you qualify and uh, fly to you qualify yeah fly to you qualify but I mean this is I think part of the same conversation because it's uh, it's not just you know. Now it's not just going to be gas prices that that you have to worry about uh, going up. You know, you get a place in Waynesboro or you know somewhere uh, Crozet, half an hour out, and that doesn't seem too bad until gas prices soar, and now you're uh, now it's becoming a lot more expensive than you thought it was going to be, and uh, and then if you've got kids and they don't get a bus to school, now you've also got a what devote an extra hour, hour and a half, however long, to, uh, to driving the kids. I say some people may be longer. Really? I mean, how far away would you be living and going to a, to a Charlottesville or Albemarle school? That's a fair point. Also, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, you're eventually saying... you're going to be in another school district. That's fair. You're saying hour and a hour, hour and a half round trip, morning and afternoon, both ways times so it would be four trips depends i mean you might i think an hour would be that i think that's fair and and it might be you know i don't know how how i don't know how people are gonna are gonna do it maybe they do drive the kids to school and then drive home but maybe they find something a little more uh a little more cost effective like like uh okay i don't have to be at work until eight thirty nine o'clock so maybe i go into town maybe i drop the kid off go into town do my, uh, you know, do my acrobatics or my, you know. Acrobatics? My... Are you doing acrobatics these days? Tell us about that. Only when no one's looking. <laughs> well, that was funny. Um, but yeah, well, you know, uh, like going to the gym, uh, doing, getting your, your coffee and your breakfast. I don't know. Whatever it is, uh, it would seem a wise decision rather than making a two-way trip. I mean, you know, there and back every morning and every evening. Maybe you figure out a reason to be closer to there when you have to drop them off or pick them up so that uh, you're saving one or two of your trips. Judah Wickhauer coming on the, out of the gates, spitting fire. I love when you're like this. But still, that's, I mean, that's, uh, we're talking about stopgap measures for something that uh, hopefully will one, one I don't think it will be. One Wait. year. You don't, think, you don't think the schools are ever going to figure this out? Okay. We've talked about this. We're going to go to commercial real estate and assessments, tax assessments being, uh, being challenged by property owners. San Francisco is... So you're is, saying they're going to get their, the, 
the city and the county are going to be getting less tax money if Charlottesville businesses start trying to pay less taxes on their business because go. of the tax. God, I love when you're like this. I love when you're like this. And so they're going to end up uh, they're going to end up trying to solve a problem, and the problem is just going to get worse and worse because they're going to have less money to spend, and uh, they just they're not going to want to toss half the half the year's you know tax income 60 percent plus 400 i'll put it in perspective for the viewers and listeners i think i, I was think just brad Rack, was rackle just, just walked by who i think brad rickle just walked by challenging and Malik. maybe i'm mistaken they related to don rickles Almoral, uh, Almoral County Board of Supervisor candidate challenging Ann Malik in the Whitehall District. I, it may have been him. If not, it was his. What's the word? Doping. Do, now you got me. Mad. What is it? Doppelganger. Doppelganger. Who's your doppelganger? Do you really want the story? It's not uh, that long. But oh, uh, I would love to hear the story. Uh, your, I, uh, your stories are long. I, no, this one's short. I'm okay. when I I moved around a lot, and when I ended up going when I first went to uh, Deering High School. Another kid had just left the year prior. Okay. He finished up the last year, left. I came in th- that year. Okay. And everybody said I looked exactly like this guy. What was his name? His name was Sam Bull. Sam a- Bull. Okay. And apparently he was dating a girl at the time named Tara. Imagine Sam what- Bull and Tara. Imagine what would happen if they'd gotten married. Tara Bull? What's wrong with Tara Bull? <laughs> really? I don't get it. I'm missing the joke. What's Tara Bull? Terrible? Oh, terrible, terrible. Is that the story? Or is it a joke that's in the story? Not, well, it's part of the story. He was, okay. my, he was my doppelganger. I've never met him. But like for but the first year I was at Deering, everybody would constantly say, you look just like Sam. Sam Bull. I'm, Facebook, I'm going on Facebook right now. Is it B-U-L-L? I've never met him. Is it know. Deering in Maine? Yeah. All right, Sam Bull. And how do you spell the high school? D-E-R-I-N-G. D-E-R-I-N-G High School. So I'm putting in the Facebook search, Sam Bull and Daring High School, D-E-R-I-N-G, and I'm searching for people. Oh, my gosh. Is this Sam Sam Bull? Is this big Sam? Oh, no, no. This guy's uh, an Asian male. This is not, this is not your doping. Your Doppenheimer? Your Doppenheimer? Your doppelganger. Doppelganger? Dop L Doppel. Can we find Sam Bull? I would love to send a LinkedIn request or a Facebook request to Sam Bull. Sam Bull. Anyway, we 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 we're getting off track. JB, I'll get to your comments here. Deep Throat, I'll get to your comments here. I'm gonna get to the comments from Travis Hackworth. I'll get to the comments from um, Jason Howard, Grayson, I'll get to your comments. Stephen Crailing, I'll get to your comments. Vanessa Parco, Vanessa, in Earliesville watching the program as well. All right, this is what I'm going to throw to you, okay? And, and yes, the public school bus driver shortage is going to be tied to my commercial real estate assessment reduction story as well. Let's use Albemarle County as a, as a baseline. Mm-hmm. Almaro County's Almaro County yearly budget over 400 million, just over 400 million. See if you can find the uh, the budget for Almaro County in totality. I believe it's just 400 and some million. Let me see if I can find it here. You find that number, it's a little over 400 million. 
I know for a fact that Almero County Public Schools take 257 million of that 400 million plus. I'll say that again. Almero County Public Schools take 257 million of that 400 million plus or roughly 60% of the budget. See if you can find that number for me, J-Dubs. Neil Williamson, if you're watching, let me know what that number is as well, if you could. So here's my point. Roughly 60% of the budget is tied to funding Albaro County Public Schools. 60%. Yeah. That's why I've always thought that the Board of Supervisors, if it was legally allowed, should just hold that yearly money, that $257 million in an escrow account and say to the school board and say to the Matthew Haas and his cabinet, if you don't solve this problem, we're just going to put this money into an escrow account until you do. Mm-hmm. And that'll light a fire under their tails to solve this bus driver shortage issue. Still, I regress. My conclusion, my thesis, my argument is that Almaro County is nowhere near solving this bus driver shortage issue. Why would someone drive a bus when there's a CDL shortage in totality? And if there's a CDL shortage in totality and you're capable of driving a school bus, why wouldn't you just drive a different vehicle where you don't have children in it and you can make $80, $90 an hour instead of the $20 or $21 an hour the school bus drivers have and you don't have to deal with parents or annoying rugrats? You're in the cab by yourself. I think the bus driver shortage may best be solved, and I don't think we're anywhere near this, but I think it may be best solved with autonomous driving buses. We're years away from that. And the question is, would parents feel comfortable in the early stages of autonomous driving buses? Many will not. Hell, I just saw Matthew Gillikin, and I disagree with 99.9% of what Matthew Gillikin puts out on social media. Okay, he was interviewed by CBS 19, and he had a a a plan of attack. Yeah. One thing I will say about Matthew Gilligan, and if you're watching this program or you hear about this, he has a take, and he backs it up with what is reasoning to him. Yeah. The reasoning he backs his takes up, I disagree with 99.9% of the time. But he's a man of thought and process. Yeah. His oldest child is, is- taking cat. Yeah public transportation right. to get to middle school. And he was doing, has been doing it for the last few years. I talk with my wife and some of the parents and moms in our friend group and ask, would you feel comfortable with your kid driving or riding public transportation to and from schools? And I think every person in our so- social circle said absolutely not. But I understand that our social circle is not indicative of the parent population in totality. No so doubt. I'm not saying that our social circle is right or wrong, just the circle that we run in, none of the parents felt comfortable doing it. Yeah. He puts a plan of attack of how his oldest is using cat public transportation buses mm-hmm. and riding to and from middle school, literally sitting next to t- adults that are going on the bus. Yeah. Right? They figure out a way to solve a problem. It's right. a two-working two uh, two house. He works at UVA Hospital. His wife works as an elementary school teacher in Charlottesville Public Schools. She's also the head of the Charlottesville Teacher Union, Shannon Gilligan. She's also a person of thought and process and backs up her takes with, with, with well-researched thought. Here's my take. Here's where I'm going with this. 
I don't think the bus driver shortage issue is going to be solved anytime soon because if you have a CDL, why would you drive children around at 20 bucks an hour when you can drive a truck around, deliver, transport beer at 40, 80, 90 dollars an hour? Okay, I don't see it being solved anytime soon. I think one of the ways Almore County, Charlottesville can solve this bus driver shortage is not require CDLs by using smaller buses. The, the passenger vans, the cargo vans, and having them seat 14, 15 kids. The type of vans you see taking kids to and from sporting events, like a basketball team, yeah. right? They're smaller. Those don't necessarily require the same type of driver classification that a school bus does, which would then open up a larger driving pool. I think long, long run, how you solve the Charlottesville and Almaro County and any jurisdiction bus driver shortage is you consider autonomous buses or self-driving buses. And, and, wouldn't, and wouldn't those smaller like vans be, be, more, uh, uh, be safer anyways? I mean, well, you... there's two schools for thought on this. Here's the first school I've of never, thought. I've never seen a, a seatbelt on any bus that I've ever been on. They may be safer. Deep Throw put this on my radar. He said, Albemarle County and Charlottesville City are spending taxpayer dollars to be green and save the environment and do things the right way with solar and, and, and all these green techniques and green strategies. Michael Payne is big on protecting the environment, protecting the city, thinking about all the stuff that goes with it. Then Deep Throat makes this point, and it's a damn good one. Oh, they're all about being green and protecting the environment, yet they want a boatload of parents to drive their kids to and from school because they have a bus driver shortage. Is it that the antithesis of being green and running the jurisdiction in an environmentally friendly way? I'm sorry, we don't have any drivers for you. Parents, drive your kids Everybody to and from drive. school. Everyone drive. Everyone drive just one kid in the car as opposed to solving out a way to drive 35 to 40 yeah. kids and cutting a boatload of cars off the roads. It's, it's oxymoron. It's like parting is such sweet sorrow. Hundreds of families. <clears throat> thousands of families. Thousands of families adding hours upon hours daily. Trip there and trip back yeah. five days a week, nine, ten months a year. Yeah. As opposed to just solving the crisis and, and really championing your green and environmental initiative. Can we truly say Charlottesville and Almaro County are green or environmentally friendly if they're telling thousands of families to drive their kids to and from school? Oh, we can be mindful of using solar panels, but we don't care if you drive your 1987 Cutlass V8 that blows exhaust all over the environment and all over our county to and from uh, Stone Robinson Elementary to and from Western Almoral High School. Yeah, take your Ford Bronco too. to and from Henley. Who cares? It's just the environment. But you better have some solar panels. You better have some nice water runoff. It's an oxymoron. Parting is such sweet sorrow. Here's my point. Almoral County's yearly budget somewhere over 400 mil. Does someone have an exact number for me? I would love an exact number. You can give me an exact number. Neil, if you have an exact number. You got an exact number? I've got... Uh, fiscal, What's the exact number? Fiscal year 2024 adopted budget for, uh, for Albemarle County is uh, 554000 No, $554,790,036. $30, What's the number? 554... Wait... Five five four seven nine zero seven nine zero zero three six zero three six times point six. That's 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 a little high. That's a little high. I'd, I'd love to get the exact number. 
Here's my point. 60% of the budget goes to schools to 70. I know that number's right, okay? Albemarle County and Charlottesville City is, I think, is about to see this phenomenon. I think they're about to see commercial property owners, mm-hmm. including potentially yours truly. Alec Kajim, I know this is all over your radar. You're a bi-coastal attorney. You live in San Francisco. Literally, you live in San Francisco, so you're seeing this firsthand. Alec Kajim also is the co-owner of Ix Park. He owns the Rapture Building. He owns the Passiflora Building. Alan Kajin owns Tonic in the building right behind Tonic, those apartments. Alan Kajin owns the parking lot where Wow Wing Cafe is. Alan Kajin owns where Public Fish and Oyster is. He owns the retail shenanigans. That's Alan Kajin is one of your largest commercial owners in Charlottesville City, and he doesn't even live in Charlottesville full-time. Alan is seeing what's happening in San Francisco as commercial owners, and I'm going to put this in perspective for you. The owners of the Weston San Francis Hotel in San Francisco are applying for a more than 90% decrease in its assessed value of $787 million all the way down to $76 million. Furthermore, the owner of the Trans-America Pyramid, New York developer SHVO, which purchased the building in 2020, is seeking a 53% reduction in its assessed value from $485 million to $227 million. Furthermore, at Chase Center, property owners are attempting to cut the city's assessed $1.48 billion value for the stadium by some 58% to $635 million. This according to the media outlet, the San Francisco Standard. I'll take this link, this article, and I'll put it in the comment section of my personal Facebook page. I just did it. John Blair, this is for you. I'll put it in the comment section of my personal LinkedIn. So you can check it out, John. I think you would very much enjoy that article, John Blair. I'll put it in the I Love Seville Facebook group I just did. Deep Throat, I'm going to send you this article via DM. I just did to you, Deep Throat. And I'm going to put it in the comments of the Twitter thread that's going on right now. And I'm going to add, how could, will this impact Seville? Question mark. So here's the question I have. And I think this is why you watch this program. Why you watch this program is we take macro or national stories, storylines and trends, and we localize them to Charlottesville. One of the... I'll cut to the chase. One of the things that I am good at in business is seeing where the market is going before the market gets there. It's called vision. And you, you, you take vision with an affinity for risk, risk that's hedged, with some practical thinking. And there's Hall Spencer walking by, the progress reporter. You take um, an affinity for risk, hedge risk, with vision, with some common sense and some practicality, and you combine those all in one, and you get a pretty good little business situation going on here. So here's my prediction, Judah. As San Francisco, and remember, a lot of these trends and storylines usually migrate, migrate left to right. They originate in the West Coast, and then they start heading to the East Coast. Yeah. The heaviest of heavy hitters in San Francisco are, are challenging their assessments. Some 50 to 90% challenging and reduction. That means the jurisdiction's gonna have less tax roll, less money that comes from these commercial buildings. Let's say that happens in Charlottesville, and let's say that happens in Almaro County. And everyone that's watching this program knows we can make a legitimate argument that commercial real estate is not as valuable now as it was in 2019. 
Appraisers will say that. Bankers will say that. Lenders will say that. Landlords will say that. And renters will say that. You know who does not want to say that? Who does not want to say that, Judah? Uh, the people that are getting tax money. Who? Which is whom? Or what? Cities and counties and... God, Judah's on fire right now. Everybody give Judah Wickhauer some props. Put Judah Wickhauer's name in the feed and give him some props and say, J-Dubs, J-Dubs, J-Dubs. So my take for you is this. Tax assessments, tax rolls on commercial buildings are going to be challenged in Charlottesville City. I'll lead that charge. I will lead the charge... I will use this platform, any commercial, there's Walker the architect, any commercial owner in Charlottesville City, I want you to get your assessment right now, and I want you to challenge it, and let's all do it together. And I'm going to use this influence of hundreds of thousands of people, we're going to galvanize, organize, and strategize, and we're all going to effing challenge our tax assessments together at the exact same time. There's... Right. There's people in City Hall in Almoro County right now that are freaking the F out. Literally freaking the F out. I'll, I'll write this up like I wrote the Dairy Market, Dairy Central thing together. Let's challenge our assessments all at the exact same time. To what purpose, though? They, what do you mean, what purpose? They don't carry the same value they once did. Right, is this where you make the spin that you're only doing this to line your pockets, Jerry? Is yeah. that what you're saying? No, no, no. I didn't say that. I've no, it's not called it. lining your pockets. You know what it's called? I didn't say anything. But that's what you alluded to. No, that's what you alluded to. I didn't. That's what you alluded to. You asked the question. You said to what purpose? And look, he's doing that smoke over there. His hand in the cookie jar. You said to line your pockets. Is that not what you were intending? No, that's not what I was intending. Okay. It was a serious question. Are you? I. It, it's an honest question. Are our businesses, our business owners, landlords, landlords? Yeah, this is not business owners. Are, These are land. Well, in right. some cases, are, it could be business owners, like our case. But we're talking landlords here. Well, they are business owners if they're. I mean, renting. Fair. Business. Carly Wagner says, "Judah, we love you." She says, "Judah!" Exclamation point, and she says, "We love you." <laughs> can you sing back to Carly? No. You can just say thank you, man. Th- thank you. I don't want to sing on Okay, fine. I'm sorry. Screen. Keep going. I, I apologize for interrupting you. Johnny Ornelas, um, que chico? I mean, are they losing that much? Uh, I, I can understand in, in uh, San Francisco. I mean, we've, we've all heard the stories of people, you know, jumping ship there. But uh, Can I make a legitimate argument? This is what you're going to say. And I'm, I apologize for interrupting you. I apologize constantly that I continue to do it. I'm sorry. I will learn. There's 11 vacant storefronts on the downtown mall. There's 190 storefronts in totality in downtown Charlottesville, 190. The largest shopping district in Charlottesville City is the downtown area with 190 storefronts. Of those 190, 11 are vacant. That is a vacancy of, was that, 6%? 190 times 0.06. Okay, but counter-argument. It's the highest vacancy rate we've seen in my 23 years of being in Charlottesville. It's got a 6% vacancy rate. Normally, that vacancy rate rate is between 0 and 1%. Counter-argument, that's fair, but of the properties that are still being rented out, are are the property owners having to lower their, uh, their, their rents? Yes. Everywhere? Rents are being lowered in downtown Charlottesville. You want to know something crazy? And I can't say how I heard this because it was in the midst of a business brokerage negotiation 
me doing the business brokerage negotiation and, and the buyers on one side and the sellers on the other side. Barracks Road Shopping Center. Mm-hmm. Barracks Road Shopping Center, in some cases, is lowering its rents. Wow. This is a publicly traded company, Federal Realty. Isn't that one of the signs of the apocalypse? (laughs) I I don't believe in stuff like that. What do you mean? Was that a joke? Yeah, it was a joke. Okay, I I apologize. You said it so dry, I wasn't sure if it was a joke. We're talking about Barracks Road. Have you ever heard of them lowering prices on anything? Barracks Road Shopping Center, in some cases, I'm not going to tell you how I figure this out or how (laughs) I know this, but I've seen the leases. In some cases, it's lowering its rents. In other cases, it's keeping its rents flat. The tenant has more room to negotiate with publicly traded federal realty wow. now than ever before, certainly more than my 23 years of being in Charlottesville and Amaral County. So here's my point. It is a sign of the apocalypse. Rents are dropping. Monthly rents, commercial. Yeah. Vacancy rates are upticking. Yeah. 11 on the downtown mall. That's 6x what it generally is. 6x 11 out of 190. Before COVID in 2019, it was zero vacancies, literally. Mm-hmm. The vacancy rate downtown is usually between zero and 1%, closer to zero than one. Now it's over 6%. Okay, we got a 6x vacancy rate. We see this phenomenon happening in San Francisco. I think we should lead the charge, and I, this was Judah Wickhauer's idea, this was not my idea. We should lead the charge on the I Love Seville show that we should tell every commercial owner to challenge their assessment with Almore County and Charlottesville City. So this because, is my idea. <laughs> because Do it. their value, Do it, folks. Their values are not the same they were in 2019. Lenders are saying it. Tenants are saying it. Owners are saying it. Appraisers are saying it. Bankers are saying it. Eventually, government's going to catch on. As government catches on and it sees its tax rolls, its assessments dropping, it's going to have less money to operate, and its jurisdictional yearly budget will decrease. If its jurisdictional yearly budget will decrease, how the hell are they going to hire more bus drivers and give them more pay when it's not even working right now? Where is the additional surplus of tax revenue that is going to be lost from assessments dropping going to come from? They can only raise the meals tax so much, and every time they raise the meals tax a cent in Almore County or a cent in Charlottesville City, all hell breaks loose. And they it's probably, like Lord of the Flies. And they probably end up getting less. Yeah, because which, you're, which, you're gentrifying, you're gentrifying which, who can, who can uh, eat out. Yeah, which hurts the restaurants more, even, even more than it hurts the, the city. Dude, the you're county. on fire today. You're on fire today. We know retail tax, we know the, the tax revenue that comes from retail businesses is dropping. Hmm. I would make a, a legitimate argument that the meals tax is potentially either flat or could be dropping. Hmm. Are people still going out in inflationary times when American credit card debt's at an all-time high? When groceries are extremely costly? Gasoline is damn near four bucks a gallon. Depending on where you go, three seventy, three eighty a gallon. You like to go to Wawa because it's what? Twenty cents cheaper. This is what I would suggest for anyone that has that's in a gas pinch. Get a credit card that gives you three percent back on gas. Then you join the rewards program at whatever place you fuel up at. Make sure you only fuel up at that place so you get points every time you fuel. There, I figured there must be a lot of people doing that because I can never understand why Wawa's always crowded. 
No, I can definitely understand why Wawa is crowded. What I can understand is driving by a place like, uh, you know, Exxon or whatever, uh, and it's 20, 30 cents higher than what I'm seeing at Wawa, and there are people, you know, filling up their, you know, their 12-foot-tall pickup trucks that probably, you know, you know what I mean, giant pickup trucks. I totally get it. Probably have, you. you know, they probably spend $200 on gas for I think, thing. I think part of that's convenience. I think part of that is also what I'm talking about. I fill up across from the Boar's Head at Bel Air, the mm-hmm. Sutton's Tiger Fuel. Yeah. I have, I'm a market rewards member. I have a credit card that gives me 3% back that I pay off every single time. Mm-hmm. And then my wife and I each fill up our car there. Routinely, we're getting 25 and 50 cent discounts each week because yeah. we fill up both vehicles there because we're at that side of town all the time. And then we're getting the juice on the credit card with the 3%. We pay it off. We don't carry a balance. Just a suggestion for viewers and listeners. Just an idea. It will help you manage gas. Still, the point is groceries, not all-time high expensive, but damn near close to all-time high expensive. Credit card debt, all-time high in America. Mm -hmm. Pal, raising rates, effing credit card debt. Gasoline, that's the first kind of tax we all face because we have to pump gas in our car to get places. Basically four bucks a gallon, depending on where you're getting gas. I can make a legitimate argument that the taxes for a jurisdiction when it comes to retail will be down or flat at best. Meals tax, you can say flat or a marginal increase. Marginal increase. There's still a zest for people to go out and spend money at bars and restaurants because there's still the COVID hangover. But it's not the spike that we would expect if it wasn't for an inflationary environment. The building owners, the landlords, if we all organize, strategize, galvanize at the same time to challenge our assessments, which I think we should, there's powers of number, just like a union, there's powers of number if we do it, the jurisdiction's going to lose out in tax revenue as well. Where's the additional revenue going to come from? It's not going to come from meals tax. It can't come from the lodging tax. They're already raking or bending over the people, over the you-know-what, from a meals and lodging tax now. Where's the additional revenue going to come from? And if the additional revenue doesn't come from a tangible or palpable source that we can identify now, what's the jurisdiction to do? You know what the jurisdiction's going to do? What's the jurisdiction going to do? Say it loud and say it proud. What's the jurisdiction going to do, Judah? Come on, you got this. Right now, you're 10 for 10. If it can't get it from meals, and it can't get it from retail, and it can't get it from lodging, and it can't get it from commercial owners, where is it going to get it from, Judah? Come on, Judah. Uh, you're talking about uh, real estate? What is it? Real estate. What kind of real estate? Uh, rooftops, uh, personal, I don't know. You're all over it. Residential. residential. That's what you were saying. Yeah. It's going to residential increase the tax rate. Assessments are already going up. Remember, the assessed values of homes are based on market value. One of the reasons us as commercial owners can challenge our assessed value with our respective jurisdiction is because it's tied to market value. And market value on our buildings are dropping. So we then can knock on the door of the local assessor, the local tax man, and say, you're taxing me too much. Cut this. This is wrong. What is going up? Real estate values. And assessed values are tied to market. The local jurisdictions can raise the tax rate, though. It's like a double tax. The tax rate and the assessed values. Mm -hmm. The tax rate is going to have to uptick, which means more gentrification from a housing standpoint in Charlottesville and Almar. It's all connected. 
to all connected. I explained to you in San Francisco, I'm going to go to viewers and listeners' comments in T minus 30 seconds. So if you have a comment and you want me to read it on air, put it in the feed in the next 30 seconds. I just explained to you that in San Francisco, the Ch- at Chase Center, a property, the owners of Chase Center are attempting to cut the city's assessed value from $1 billion, $480 million to $635 million. That's a cut of 58%. The owner of the Transamerica Pyramid, which is a developer from Manhattan, purchased the building in 2020, and they're seeking a 53% reduction in assessed value from $485 million to $227 the Weston St. Francis Hotel owners, an iconic hotel, are looking for a 90% reduction from $787 million all the way down to $76 million. That's insane. If you were the extorting emperor of empty lots, Johnny Dewberry, a quarterback for the Georgia Tech rambling wreck at one time, a youngster who grew up in Waynesboro, would you not challenge your assessment on a building that you're not even effing using? If you were Alan Kajin and you're an attorney that's super wealthy, super sophisticated, and super nuanced, that has employees working for him, wouldn't you challenge the assessment on Passiflora, on Ix Park, on his Rapture Building holdings, on the parking lot on West Main Street, on the Tonic Building and the apartments behind Tonic, on Shenanigans, on Public Fish and Oyster, and all his holdings in Midtown? Yes, yes, you would. If you were Ludwig Kutner, wouldn't you do this? Yes. Yes, you would. If you were Oliver Kutner, wouldn't you do this? Yes, mm-hmm. yes, you would. Bill Nitchman, mentor of the program. Yes, yes, you would. Joffrey Woodruff, front of the program. Yes, yes, you would. Joe Geek, front of the program. Yes, yes, you would. Yours truly. Yes, yes, you would. The Charlie Lewis family, front of the program. Yes, yes, you would. And if everyone does it at the exact same time, what do you have? I'll give you a hint. It rhymes with duck. What are you? Don't say it. You got a cluster duck, quack, quack, quack on your hands. And how the jurisdiction is going to have to make up that lost revenue is Judah, tell everyone, including Sally in the back. <laughs> uh, I've got some ideas that probably aren't uh, suitable for telling, <clears throat> telling our viewers, but um, is this what we. You're this is not a rhetorical question. This is a talk show. This is where you got to talk here. I know. You're talking about the, uh, the rooftops, right? Yeah. Pers- yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then, uh, and, yeah, and the gentrification continues. If people were angry about, uh, about Chris, uh, Chris, Chris Henry. Yeah, Chris Henry. And, uh, phase, oh, let's unpack and, this one. I can't wait to go down this road. And Keep going. phase three, how much more is uh, skyrocketing? housing tax assessments going to affect those neighborhoods than uh, putting something up in an old parking lot. You, not, I, I, your, your analysis on that particular part of the argument is incorrect. I'll explain, explain why. Okay, I mean, I'm just this, let me, let me unpack that. questions again. Let me unpack that. Chris Henry's phase three development, the 400 apartments that would yield housing for 1.5 people per apartment or 600 people in totality, the tax assessments or the tax rolls that come from phase three undoubtedly are far higher than the tax assessments that come from asphalt parking lots and the fifth season home brew store, the Preston Sons laundromat, and the twice as nice thrift store. So right. if he builds these 400 no apartments, if he builds these 400 apartments, that is net positive for the city from a tax standpoint. 
I wasn't talking about the city. I was talking about the people that are angry about what he's doing. How much more, is, how much more would rising tax assessments affect those neighborhoods and the people living there when they have to pay more on taxes for the houses that they own? How much more would that affect them than what Chris Henry is doing? Or devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show. Will the um, creation of 400 apartments that are at 2,000, 2,100, 2,200 per apartment, I mean, that's a nice little piece of revenue. 400 times 2,200, you're looking at 880 Gs a month. 400 times 2,200 a month, 880 Gs a month times 12 months. I mean, you can see maybe why Chris wants phase three to become a reality. You're looking at 10560000 in rent revenue per year if they were fully rented, but I digress. If those 400 apartments were built, those 400 apartments will capture wealthy people, because it's 2200 a month, that choose to live in that 10th and Page neighborhood because of its location, its proximity, and its amenities. Right. Those 600 people that live in those 400 apartments could have, or probably would have, cannibalized or purchased the housing stock in 10th and Page. And that is how a neighborhood truly gets gentrified. When you send 600 people into 10th and Page, which is what, three, 400 houses, maybe? And those 600 people say, I want to live here. Let's buy up some of these homes that maybe need to be torn down or remodeled altogether, right? Instead, they give them a spot to live in phase three dairy market. If they really want to keep the integrity and the character and the history of 10th and Page, you green light dairy market and you support it. If you kibosh dairy market and support it, the 600 people that would have paid 2200 a month are just going to buy $300,000 houses instead. Because the mortgage payment for a $300,000 house, and a lot of the homes in, in 10th and Page are probably trading in the three to 400 range. The mortgage payment on a three or $400,000 house is probably in the same vicinity of the monthly rent of 2,200 a month. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the understanding of housing economics, which is something we cover inside and out on this program. Give me a flying chest bump. Come on. Oh, okay, okay, thanks. That was a little, uh... that was a chest bump. Uh, I... I'm fired up today. Kind of. Can you tell I'm fired up? Let's get to comments. Let's get to comments. There's a lot of comments coming. <laughs> I just saw, there's an 11 second delay. I just saw the. All right, here comes comments. Um, Johnny Ornalis is watching the program. I'm meeting with Johnny Ornalis on Tuesday. Deep Throat, I'm coming to you next. I'm coming to you next, Deep Throat. Johnny Ornalis owns El Mariachi and Guadalajara. El Guadalajara, JPA, El Mariachi. Uh, Zion's Crossroads. We're meeting Tuesday at Vivace to talk business. I love those meetings. Um, he says we're up to 11% meals tax in totality right now in the city. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You spend $100 at Guadalajara JPA, 11 of that is meals tax. And, and Johnny, let's just use any restaurant, not Guadalajara. You spend $100 at a restaurant, $100 at a restaurant. Johnny, help break, help, you know this better than I do. Of that 100, what percentage of that $100 amount goes to the city and other taxing uh, entities? If you can give me an exact number, that would be amazing. And then on top of that, you're tipping, I tip 20%. I, I tip between 20 and, 20, 20 and 25%, even if service is mediocre. If the service is horrendous, I'm probably still tipping close to 
Yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I I don't have a family, so I'm not buying as much. But when I eat out, my like base tip is like three bucks, even if I'm just spending ten. Yeah, so you're a very generous tipper. Yeah, I I don't tip that much if I'm if I'm spending. Well, yeah, if you're going higher amounts, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Twenty twenty percent is usually the lowest I'll I'll go. So a hundred bone, a hundred dollar dinner is a hundred and twenty dollar dinner with the twenty dollar tip, and of that a hundred dollar dinner, eleven, twelve, thirteen of that is just taxes. Yeah. So you're spending a hundred and twenty bucks for that experience, and of that a hundred and twenty bucks for that experience. 120 times 0.25, 25 to 30% of it isn't even food or drink. I want you to think about that. $100 experience, 25 to 30% of that $100 dining experience is not even something you put in your mouth or drink down your throat. Well, sadly, I think that with uh, DoorDash and Uber Eats, people are getting much more used to that uh, that kind of math. What does that mean? That means when you order something from, when you order something to get delivered, it used to be, I mean, uh, you know, used to be you'd order from the company and they would have some, they would have a driver. They might impose some, some kind of a delivery fee on you and then you'd tip but I don't think it was as onerous as it is now. I mean, you when you go into like a Uber Eats app and look at the the final outcome uh, when you order something, it'll be like forty dollars worth of food. Then you know you've got like the tax tax tacked on. You've got the delivery fee. You've got the X whatever else what other other fee. I mean, you could be looking at like forty dollars worth of food costing you fifty five dollars. And that's before you tip. So I'm just saying that I think uh, people may be getting used to a lot more of that kind of uh, math in their in their dining, where they know that uh, oh they're going to end up paying. Jim Jim Hinchley, I stand corrected. Um, Counselor Hinchley, watching the program, um, he says you were right. Fiscal year 2024, combined capital and operating budgets, $554,790,036. Judah is right. Fiscal year 2024, Almore County. That is a boatload of effing money. I mean, I am looking at the... Uh, Almore County website? The FY24 adopted budget. I apologize. $554,790,036. Yeah. Schools on that are $260 million, roughly. Almoral County costs $554 million a year to run. Apparently. I wonder how much of that $554 million comes from commercial real estate assessments. And what happens if the large majority of commercial real estate owners all at the same time petition their assessments and say, this is not accurate anymore. This is based on a 2019 pre-COVID sliding scale. Johnny Ornella says 1% local tax, 5.5% state, 4.5% city, 3% roughly, about 200 roughly ABC tax as well. Good Lord. Good Lord. And find me an opportunity for a family of four to go out for under $100. 
in a non-fast food setting. Has a family, have you taken your wife and your two children to Chick-fil-A? Seriously. I want you guys to take your partner and your two kids to Chick-fil-A. I'll bet you 50 bucks you're spending over 80. Now, I want to win this bet, so I'm going to set the over-under. 17. You take your kids to Chick, you take your wife and your two kids to Chick-fil-A for dinner. And I'm going to put the over-under at $65. I'll take the over all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. And that's Chick-fil-A. The only reason Chick-fil-A is not at the C-note is because you don't have to tip. You're not tipping 20 Bs on that. Vanessa Parkle says, Judah and Jerry, are you tipping on the pre-tax threshold or are you, t- are you tipping before tax? Isn't pre-tax and before tax the same thing? No. Uh, we just found out. My wife is chastising me. Well, pre means before. I'm just uh, sorry, sweetheart. Clarification. <laughs> I. Uh, it's basically she's saying if it's a hundred dollars and it's eleven percent in taxes, that's eighty-nine. Are you tipping on the eighty-nine? Or are you tipping on the hundred? You're tipping on the hundred. Yeah. I, mean, I tip I, on the hundred as well. And I don't. A lot on, of people don't tip on the hundred. They tip on the eighty-nine. And I don't sit there and like get a napkin out and you know like calculate an exact amount. I'm more of just kind of uh, you know okay, I spent. 30 bucks, that's like a $6 tip. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to sweat 50 cents or $1.50, you know, one way or the other. Uh, Deep Throat's got some good comments coming in. He says, yikes, yikes in all caps. First time I've ever heard Deep Throat use the word yikes. I like that, yikes. Um, He says, yikes to what could happen with the commercial assessment reduction petitions that we're talking about. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use the, the weight of this network to make that push, just giving everyone a heads up. Okay? Um, then he says, I would draw a distinction from Seville and San Francisco, however. San Francisco has actual hotels and office buildings that are foreclosed upon and or auctioned at fire sale prices. We have not seen that yet yeah. in Charlottesville yet. He says, but it's certainly a risk. Um, and he's right. There's a there's a built commercial buildings in San Francisco where the landlords or owners of the building have gone to the lender and said, "Here are the keys to the building. Where you're not going to get any more money back from us, but you can keep the structure. Peace out. I'm done." Mm-hmm. That literally is happening in San Francisco. He says, "Deep Throat does Dairy Central. The assessment is 35 million." The property will become DM3, which has the 2x the number of apartments of Dairy Central, uh, which is assessed at $10 million. When that is built, probably $75 million assessment, plus apartments full of young professionals, professionals with no kids, it costs the city nothing. It's a big win for fiscally conservative-minded uh, people. That is a great comment. I also like... Uh... Did you hear what he just said? Go the ahead. people renting in Phase 3 of Dairy Market are going to be young professionals that don't have children. Mm-hmm. And these young professionals that don't have children will not be taxing the infrastructure as the same clip as my wife and I who have children. If you have kids, you're taxing your respective jurisdiction more. Why? Because kids cost money. Yeah. Kids cost money. My wife schools is watching and, the program. Schools and obviously... Uh uh, buses. There you go. 
my wife is watching the program and says, that's way too high, Jerry. It's more like 50 or 60 bucks. No way, sweetheart. No way, sweetheart. Have you seen the milkshakes with the cherry on top that are oldest drinks? And yes, our eight-month-old has no teeth, but he scarfs down chicken nuggets as if it was uh, formula. He just puts them in his mouth and he, the saliva like erodes the chicken nugget and like biodegrades it somehow. It's almost as if like a snake swallowing a rodent. The juices in the snake's mouth breaks down the rodent in the snake's body. Our eight-month-old is doing the same thing. He puts things like puffs and like cucumbers and nuggets in his mouth and he just rolls them around as if he was a grandpa without dentures and goes like this and his saliva just 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 disintegrates the nugget next week on Jerry's ASMR channel uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Friday I like Jim. what Carly Wagner has to say uh, focus on cutting expenses rather than growing revenue more accountability and transparency for dollars spent. Continuing to throw money at issues doesn't buy you out of them. Jim, thank you for sharing that. Read some more comments here. I'll read Jim's. You read another one that's coming in, then I'll go to JB. John Blair. Jim Hinchley says this. Um, fiscal year 2024 uh, adopted budget. Total public schools is 58%. I called it 60, so I was, in the, I, was, I was right there. Total county government spend for Almore County is 39%. 39% for fiscal year 2024. Jim Hinchley, you're making the program better today, sir. Mr. Hinchley, if you were here, I would give you a very respectful chest bump. Very respectful chest bump to you, Mr. Hinchley. You are an officer of the law, sir, so I would have to do it gently, gently. Although he is way bigger than us. He's a bigger man than us. When we did that side-by-side -side photo of us here on the picture, I, I went and looked at the photo afterwards because I have so much respect for, for Mr. Hinchley. He towers over me. I guess most of the people that come on the show are towering over me. But he, in particular, towered over me. Jim, you made the program better. Uh, let's go, John Blair, and then you, uh, you're up next. Ricardo Duran from UVA Credit Union watching the program. He says, I love it, Jerry, and I love you too, Judah. Thank Can we you. sing Ricardo Duran's name? Will you sing it for him? Uh, no. Come on. Sing his name? I don't want to sing people's names. I'm Ricardo Duran. I'm not even a good singer. We're just having I fun on that. a Friday. Uh, this is from John Blair. Judah, I would look at a spot like Howardsville. There are some very remote spots in southern Almoral that attend Monticello. Those can be very long drives. So he's talking about Howardsville, which mm -hmm. is in Almoral County. That, that very well could be that 90-minute one way threshold. I don't know if it's 90-minute one way, but I bet you it's 90-minute round trip. He also says, John Blair, one of my college jobs was driving a beer truck. You could not be more correct. There is no way in Hades that anyone would drive a school bus instead of a beer truck. You make more driving a beer truck, and you're able to listen to a podcast of your choice. Hopefully it's the I Love Seville show, the Jerry and Jerry show, Real Talk with Keith Smith, Today e Manana, or the new mom show that we're about to launch. Dr. Karen Wolf, I would love if you hosted a podcast on this network. Hint, hint. <coughs> Karen Wolf, little nudge, nudge. I think you would crush it at that, Karen Wolf. Little persuasive suggestion, Karen Wolf. Um, he says your only interaction with people is with grocery store personnel and <laughs> unloading the truck at their store. Plus free beer, right? I don't think you get free beer. <laughs> I'm joking. 
You might get the dented beer from the uh, supplier. You know, they don't sell the dented cans. I the dented cans are dented sold cans. at a reduced price and are given to employees. Nice. Um, let's see. Comments coming in here. Johnny Ornalis makes a really good point. The business owner in a, it's called a triple net lease. I'm negotiating a triple net lease right now. Mm-hmm. In a triple net lease setting, the tenant pays the taxes, the upkeep, and the insurance. Oh, dude, I'll take it a step further. This is a damn good question. I'm hesitant to, I'm hesitant to say this. I don't know if I want to say this. All right, I'm going to say it anyway. In a negotiated triple net lease, if the landlord successfully petitions a reduction in his or her tax assessment, will that tax assessment reduction be passed on to the tenant? Yeah. That was that was a question in my mind. What happens when you petition for a reduction and get it? And then charge more for the property. Is there some regulatory agency that said, hey, wait a minute. We just no. gave you a... Charging rents are tied to market value. So the market's going to determine what the property rents for. But the question is, if you entered in a leasing arrangement in 2018 or 2019 before COVID, yeah. when commercial values were at an all-time high... And now commercial values, if they're 15, 20, 25, 30% less, whatever it may be. I mean, hell, look at what the CFA building just sold for. It was a ridiculously haircut, right? If the commercial buildings are now 25, 30% lower in value, does the tenant who signed the 10-year lease in 2018 or 2019 know that the values have dropped Yeah. so tax payments are lower? Or is the lease set up so as a savvy landlord? So that they're paying the landlord and the landlord is paying the taxes. There you go. And I'm very hesitant to say that. Because then why I'm hesitant to say that is because in my unique position, I am representing tenants with business brokerage, business placement, and brand management. But I also own a building or a large chunk of it and many of my friends are the influential commercial landlords that I see in quarterly meetings where we chitter-chatter about commercial real estate. Um, I would bet the sophisticated landlords out there are paying, I don't know, I don't want to go, <laughs> I'm not going to go too deep down that road. That's a, that's a great question, Johnny Ornelas. Carly Wagner says, focus on cutting expenses rather than growing revenue. I think this is what you read. More accountability and transparency for dollars spent. Continue to throw money at issues doesn't buy you out of them. She also said, like Johnny Ornalis said, if the lease is simply passed the taxes onto the tenant, no need to challenge taxes unless that's just gravy train for the landlord because the landlord is taking the check from the tenant into an account for that building and then paying the taxes that could be at a lower price point that the tenant may not know. A good example of this, here's a very good example of this. You know what a lot of people do not realize? 
If you don't put, if you buy a house, walk with me through here, Jude. And I got I got a two o'clock meeting, so I got to get out of this chair in approximately three and a half minutes. Obviously, I'm going to have to keep the HUD thing till to Monday. And deep throat, your comments on HUD, I'm going to save till Monday. They're damn good. This com- cause and effect of commercial assessment tax cuts is a good one. If you don't put 20% down payment and you're buying a house, what additional costs will you have from a monthly standpoint if you don't put 20% down, Judah, when you're buying a house? What additional costs? If you buy a house and you don't put 20% down, it's a $400,000 house, you don't put an eight, a 20% down payment, which is 80 Gs, 80,000 80, 80, smackaroos, what additional monthly costs do you have until you get 20% equity? Uh some kind of insurance? Yeah, dude. Judah's on fire today. I'll, I'll, I'll say you ace that. I'll give you a, an A-plus on that. PMI. Yeah. Private mortgage insurance. Right. You know the large, a large portion, and I don't give you the exact statistic, a large portion of the buying public, because homes are so expensive now, are not putting 20% down. Yeah. And a large portion of those buyers who are paying monthly PMI, private mortgage insurance continue to make many, many, many PMI payments every month because they don't have the nuance, the wherewithal, the sophistication, or we're not educated in the buying process that once you hit 20% yeah. equity, you can call, you can call your lender and have the off. PMI return. But they removed. won't cut it off without you They calling. won't cut it off for you. The lender will not cut it off for you. You have to be notified by the owner that it's time to cut the PMI off. Yeah. That's insane. How many people are making PMI payments they don't have when to. they don't have to do? How many commercial tenants... How is that not fraud? How is that not... Uh, it's like, in the paperwork that they sign. In the paperwork, it's, a, it's not fraud if the lender identifies at closing that you have to notify us that you've hit 20% and then we will remove PMI and then they sign it. They agree to it. Yeah, in the I mean, commercial, in the triple net commercial leases, our sophisticated landlord saying, this is the tax structure. You just pay me the check for taxes, and then I will pay the jurisdiction. <laughs> and then in the meantime, going to petition the jurisdiction for a tax reduction on assessment. And it's the same concept. If that commercial landlord is sophisticated enough to include the language and the tenant signs it, this is going to come up at our quarterly landlord meeting, and I'm going to catch some shit from my fellow contemporaries about this. But it's a good topic for the talk show. I, I bet you that's happening. I bet you that's happening. Profits over people. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that statement. <laughs> it's, it, I find it to be true in so many different situations. Judy McMullen watching the program. She says, I lived in Covesville in high school. Covesville? You know where Covesville is. John Grisham's got a ball, uh, one of the, the, the prettiest Little League stadiums I've ever seen in Covesville. It's on the Almore County, Nelson County border. She said, I lived in Covesville in high school, and I went to Western, 45 minute each way by car, hour and a half each way by bus. Did you hear that? Yeah. Judy, you need to open up another pool hall. The timing is right for another pool hall. Your pool hall was, was awesome. Um, all right, I got to get out of here in 30 seconds. Uh, Vanessa Parkhill says Google Maps say Howardsville. Uh, Vanessa Parkhill is responding on one of our 15 Facebook pages to John Blair on LinkedIn, and she says Google Google Maps says Howardsville to Monticello High School is 35 to 40 minutes one way. 
Wow. That's a long ride. And there's no school closer? I mean, I've, I don't know anything about the schools around here, so I'm just curious. Um, Deep Throat says, there have been huge class action suits about that PMI issue you just pointed out. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They're basically saying, you're going to keep paying us money. But it's not that fraud. You don't, it, you're paying money that you don't owe someone. But it's not and fraud. And they don't have to stop. They don't have to tell you. They literally are writing it it in the contract, and they're signing it. But it's their own. It's it's Darwinism. This is Darwinism. I mean, that's who you know. You know how many people don't read the HOA document? I bought in the Macklin building. I read the HOA documents. I realized if I eclipsed twenty percent ownership, there was some control there. If you don't read the documents and you sign them, fool me once. What's the saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Yeah, it's Darwinism. That's, that, that's no, that's that's not Darwinism. What do you mean? You're asking. He says Bank of America was charged with racketeering over this. Yes, because it's not, it's not Darwinism. How is it not Darwinism? You're expecting every single person out there who's ever bought a home to have the knowledge, the wherewithal, and the understanding to go through one of those documents. And pick out anything that uh, that seems no shady. That's not what I'm There's saying. There's no way. I'm saying if you buy a home and you sign a contract, it doesn't even. I gotta go. I literally have to go here. I'm and gonna think, now be late. And here. I think most courts, if you brought that to them, would say, okay, you you can't just put anything you want in a in a document for someone to sign and then say, oh, well, they didn't see the part where I get to to keep their kids. So now I get their kids. Home, homie. I get, I get the meme accounts like to make fun of me for using the phrase homie. Homie. What? The meme accounts like to make fun of me for saying the, using the word homie. Friend, amigo, chum, pal, compadre, colleague, brother, team member. Anytime you John Hancock your name on a document, read the effing document from start I'm, to finish I'm not dis- three or four times. I'm not disagreeing You made a comment you, uh, within the last year that said, I would bet the large majority of people that sign your leases, Jerry, don't even read your leases. Do you remember when you made that comment? Not really. I was I mean, flabbergasted I, I, when I heard that from you. There is not a single instrument, vehicle, financing mechanism, contract, whatever the hell you want to call it, that I would not read from start to finish multiple times if I signed it. Yeah, but scribe- and I would probably get my legal counsel. In fact, I would get my legal counsel if it was over, say, $5,000. I'd spend a $395 for one hour of my legal counsel's time to read the document as well. And expecting even a significant portion of the population to also do that is insanity. That's Darwinism, then. That's survival of the fittest. No. It's... Whether you want to hear this or not, and people are going to get pissed off with this comment, that's why there's a class system. It's foolish, I agree, but as we're seeing with courts throwing out NDAs and things like that, I I think that it's clear that just because you put something in a document and have someone sign it doesn't mean it's ironclad. Doesn't mean what? It's ironclad. Uh... Now... There are certain things that you can. I don't argue. know if I agree with yes, that. Yes, you went into this knowing what you were signing, but there are others. There, are, you can't just put anything you want in a document and expect 
expect it to be legal. I'm sorry. I get what you're saying, and people should definitely read the documents that they're signing. I'm not disagreeing with you on any of that. But the fact of the matter is that I think a lot of courts are seeing some of this BS. Do you understand saying, what would happen? Do you no, understand you what would just, happen? You can't just tell someone to sign something and then. Do you understand what would happen if a tenant, if a tenant, and I, I keep using Alan Kajin here because he owns so much commercial real estate. Do you understand what would happen if a tenant went toe to toe with Alan Kajin on one of his properties in court or in a legal setting when Alan Kajin is a, is the word litigious? Yeah. When litigious. Alan Kajin is a lawyer who's litigious? He would, he may not, let's take, let's give you the benefit of the doubt and say he may not win, but he's going to bleed them dry in court. He will bleed them dry. And at that point, the tenant's probably just going to say, F it, I'm done with this, you win. But now we're, but now we're outside of the bounds. No. Now we're outside of the bounds of, no, now we're just. That's how the game is played. That's. That's how the game is played. Okay. Petty. I didn't say it was a fair game, and I didn't say it was... I, the game may be played in the gray area in some cases, right, but, but that's how the game is played. I, I have to go. I'm going to be late here. I'm going to be late. I apologize. I, I want to highlight this before I go. You were phenomenal today. Phenomenal today. Be like this every day. Phenomenal today. When we have a conversation, things go well. When you talk for 30 minutes and then say, Judah, do you have anything to say about any of that? Like what? Are you kidding me? All right. I'm going to try to be more conversational. I will try to get you sing on air. I thought you were as good as I've ever seen you on the talk show. The talk show was true. Did you have fun? Yeah. You had fun? Yeah. Judah, something positive. Something positive already here from work. I like that. All right. I got to go. I'm going to be late. Judah Wick Howard, Jerry Miller, the I Love Seville show on a Friday. We're back in the saddle on Monday. We're working on Thomas Jones, a running back from the National Football League and one of the UVA football team's greatest athletes for the Jerry and Jerry show on Tuesday. More details to come. So long, everybody. Thank you for joining us. I got to go. I'll be back in a bit. All right.